And now, the moment you've all been waiting for. Welcome to Social Media White Noise. Yeah, I'm really sorry about that, Ted, but we've had complaints that the intro's too long. Bugger. All right. And we're on air, Nick. Andrew Post. I haven't even opened up the post yet. Good, I like good to... morning, good afternoon, good day. How are you doing? It's good. Where are we, Nick? We're Where in are we? Pretty Little Things in... No, not little. Pretty Things. <laughs> Get it right, Getting Nick. corrected. My apologies. We're in Park Place in Horsham today. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a... Fa- I want to say fabulous, but that would be, that'd be, that'd be undeserving the phrase. Fabulous. This is a brilliant tea room and cakes, etc. in Horsham. And yeah. um, I probably have to have a wee shout-out to Patricia Tolman, who would uh, certainly appreciate some of the decoration in this, um, in this establishment. So, there we go. How are you doing, Andy? What are we on? I'm just opening up the preview for the page to see what we're talking about. I like about. the frilly paper balls. I, I just appreciate the style. But we, yeah. we, need, we need more style in Horsham. Yeah, it's it's a lovely place. We need place. more baristas. It's, it's an oldie oldie horse. Getting the crud out of something in the background. Well Which done. Always good. Jump. <laughs> so now, Nick, Nick um, what are we talking about today? What's been we happening? We have from. Have I missed anything exciting? Like a bazooka have, attack, or a bigfoot? You know, or a, has bigfoot appeared, or has France there been a Godzilla attack? I've said or? there's nil poids yeah. in the trust strikes issue. Yeah. Um, piracy isn't killing creativity after all. We've got Coin Map, which is a map, funnily enough, of places where you can spend your bitcoins, of which uh, the Winklevoss twins, those who were keen on Facebook not so long ago, have uh, put in a $20 million trust fund into the Bitcoin um, era. I wonder how that's actually going to work out. And <laughs> makerspaces <laughs> and public libraries, which I think sort of wraps up nicely on um, the amount of handcrafted maker material there is here to buy in the shop. We'll save that one to last. Um, the three strikes thing, is this the French coming to their senses and realising that uh, not such a good idea to try and disconnect people from the internet or is there something else going on here? No, this is, this is a follow-up to the initial uh, mm. policy that, that France enacted to protect their copyright industry yeah. Uh, whereby they were insisting that if you were caught torrenting or downloading or, torrenting. or removing materials that were copyrighted and sharing it in a fashion that you weren't having permission to, then you'd receive a letter and a notification, etc., etc., and eventually you would be disconnected from the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, this Pretty graduated strikes. response to file-sharing issue has been championed by the mainstream and music industry for years, only it hasn't worked. Earlier this morning, the Ministry of Culture published the official decree number 0157 on July the 9th, which removed the additional punishable by suspension of access to a communication service. Now, let's keep in mind that we've in the UK we've had the Digital Economy Bill that's become the Digital Economy Act. Yeah. And the Digital Economy Act. It became legislation. Uh, it's become leg- well, it's legislation, but of course they still have the question of how they're going to implement it. So it goes back yeah. to Ofcom, and Ofcom are left with the question as to how do we propose that we are measuring that people are illegally downloading stuff and then sending them a letter and sending them a letter a few times and then disconnecting their service. How do you do that, then? plan. That's the, that's the thing yeah. they've been going by. We, they're, they're, they're more technically knowledgeable, and frankly, those who are able to open a laptop and press on yeah. have been saying to these ministers for a very long time, um, it won't work, you'll penalise the wrong people, you'll mm. catch the wrong people, it's irrelevant in a way, and it's not killing the industry. Mm. 
But never mind, we're in a time of austerity and with £10,000 pay rises being awarded to MPs uh, only today, uh, let's carry on with a conversation about how we can implement costs and create costs for internet service providers, which are eventually costs for users, mm. by trying to implement this pointless policy that has demonstrably been cancelled from France. I mean, I appreciate that here in Britain we can't possibly follow what the French do, just this once, it'd be nice if we realised that we've got to stop spending this money on trying to work out how to protect these major industries that are feeling threatened by the internet. And say, you know what, we're not going to chase that down. It just doesn't work. It's not successful. And, you know, with this with this change, obviously there's a lot of people will be gloating, there will be a lot of people happy. Yep. Mostly what it is, is it's a realisation that it isn't actually solving the problem that they're having, which is people wanting access to material and content uh, at a fair price without being restricted by by its location or its accessibility. And we touched on this in the last episode where we mentioned that uh, Warner Brothers were trialling this out in Korea, in South Korea, by saying, you know, you go to the film and see this film in the cinema, it will immediately be available for you to download and watch in your house. Um, sure. I mean, we do have a story a bit later on, don't we, about um, a, a book, I seem to remember. Well, this is, yeah, this a, is a nice follow-up really. yeah, This is actually yeah. a UK publisher um, yeah. Yeah. who... Um, this is Tor. Tor, who... Is he a nice lander? Uh, who are uh, an imprint for, uh, specifically for sort of genre, and by that we mean sort of fancy science fiction mm. novels and books and so forth. Um decided that they would start... It's a Macmillan subsidiary, and they did subsidiary, and they decided that um, they would sell e-books with no DRM copy protection. Yeah. So... I.e., basically, it, yeah, just e-books. This would, be, this would be, as the BPI and all these other media industry protectionists would say, inviting piracy and just expecting not to, you know, not to receive an income from your books. You're also making it harder for your authors to receive an income from their books. There's been no increase in piracy of these titles. This has not created change. But his competitors have tried to um, deny that, haven't they? Hmm. Um, I forget who his competitors are, but um, they were saying, oh, you know, it's because they were reckoning it was going to harm um, other areas. The interesting know, thing is, vague, is the it? decision was met with significant support from authors and customers. I mean, I remember when this was being discussed. Um, and there were those who said, this is a bad idea, and, um, you know... The subsidiary, a group called Hachette Group, suggested some authors should put pressure on the company to use DRM. Mm. I mean, it just... It beggars belief that you could have a business methodology that says, no, 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 you guys need to go back and, and threaten to remove your services if, if your stuff's not protected with this restrictive practice of stopping customers getting access to your material. Do you think government should be agile? Uh, I think governments should be uh, uh, more than agile. I think they need to be cons- grossly reconsidered in an internet era. But we've mentioned on that before. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm looking at the moment that uh, the local Horsham District Council here, who've had a fairly active Facebook page, have had some change in policies as to how they're approaching use of Facebook. Mm. Um, and they were trialling again last night a question and answer session and it failed miserably because their configuration and response mechanisms on Facebook, which yeah. isn't even their system, yeah. um, didn't enable them to have a sort of proper conversation. There seems to be a lack of desire to have, have too much recorded at any one time. And yeah, we're looking at 
when people talk about government, they have to understand the many layers that, that yeah. wrap up between it. Just yes, I mean, you touched on it before. This this whole kind of um, DRM thing, three strikes and you're out thing. Does it is a classic gone wrong waterfall project approach. Let's let's spend loads of money fixing the wrong problem. No, yeah, this is it. This is it. I mean, I get, I get into I get into this conversation when people say to me uh, about how there are horrors on the internet of child abuse and isn't it? Why are we doing more to stop all this access to child abuse on the internet? And I say, why are you not more angry that there's child abuse in the first place? Mm. Why are you not trying to stop it happening at all? Mm. And your answer is to just. Hide it on the internet. The internet is a delivery <laughs> mechanism, same as telephones, the printing press, and tongues. Yeah, it's it's like suggesting that if somebody's beating their child with a baseball bat, that we must legislate to make sure the bats have a safer quality to them. <laughs> we haven't dealt with the issues. Implementing things like DRM, implementing things which say, oh, you'll you'll only be able to license this access and license this utilization, mm. use this in such a way. You know, it's it's a policy that penalises only the person who you are trying to reach out to. You know, you're saying we don't want you to have access to all this stuff. Um, you know, and I, I've got the same problem at the moment that um, because my daughter is is just consuming books with a passion. Yeah. With a passion, she read through Harry Potter. Mm. And yeah, she's now gone through all these genie series of books and stuff, mm. all these young Sherlock Holmes books. She's now picked up uh, Naomi Kovacs, probably got that wrong, Temeria, which right. is sort of Napoleonic. Is she the Brian author? Probably not. I don't okay. know, I can't remember. Right. Um, anyway, so, and so she's picked up the first book, she started reading it. The thing is, the rest of the books that I own are on my Kindle. Mm. So I have to now give my Kindle to my daughter, because what I can't do is just buy a Kindle for Alyssa mm. and just drop the books onto her account. I mean, I can lend them. Yeah. I don't want to do that. I just want to take my whole library and say, here's the library. You know, she should be able to go to the Butler's House Amazon Kindle collection yeah. and say, I want that on my device and I want that on my device. But it'd be her device, not four devices I how, own. How does lending work on the Kindle? Well, you essentially have to set up a situation where you're emailing somebody to say, I will lend you this book, and then it assigns the token to them, and the book is then lent out for 14 days. So you don't have access to it while that's bit while it's lent, or yes, you do? Yes, exactly, you don't have access to it. So it's like lending it. a real book, effectively. But it comes back automatically book, rather than having to get it back. it comes back automatically, and so... But that sounds quite good to me. What's that's quite good, but 14 days to read something? Sometimes you get lent a book by somebody, and you yeah. say when you, you know, when you can read that. So, well, bloody, if you could set the amount of time. I think it would be nice if you could just say, I don't need it back yet, I don't need it back yet. Right, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That would be nice, but there's, yeah. there's, there's me- but the thing is, is, this is just DRM. Yeah. And it is a bit ridiculous that this is DRM. I get that there should be mm. one copy of it. I don't mind that there's one copy of it, mm. but the mechanisms to implement one copy of it shouldn't be something that stops me from yeah, saying, actually, this is my family who have access to my library. You know? yeah. Lister comes downstairs, looks at the bookcases, and makes a choice as to books she wants to read. Yeah. She can't quite do that in the Kindle world just yet. She can't go to the online library of everything I bought or Sharon's yeah. bought because it's now two separate bookshelves. Yeah, it is annoying, isn't and, it? And, and the good old days when we used to go and buy paper books and they were on the family bookshelf. Yes. You know, next to, you know, there was, there was, there was good stuff and sort of Harry Potter and stuff next to the joy of sex. And the kids would just help themselves. Those days are gone. Ah, right. But that is, um, yeah. I absolutely love the, the Bitcoin map. Yes, coin map. I think we should be on there. 
Don't we accept bitcoins? We, we accept bitcoins, yes. We, we should be on there. moving dot. <laughs> but then we'll put it in Horsham. Centre it at Horsham. Centre it at Horsham, so it's what we're doing. Yeah. I, I think there's there's an awful lot that's rather sweet about, about this because it reminds me of the days of um, Twitter. Uh, there was like a Twitter map that as yeah. people were tweeting, their tweets would pop up on the map. And because Twitter was kind of a slow service at the time, fewer tweets. Imagine that now. Yeah. You just wouldn't see the map. It'd be like a sort of... A splurge of content. Bonfire night or something, yeah. Um, oh, there we go. I've gone in... It's using OpenStreetMap, so I've just zoomed in on it, and as a result, my Chrome's crashing. Oh, right, OK. Yeah, you have to be careful that. OpenStreetMap. Um, but the, the sort of concept of being able to say, this place that's paying me Bitcoin. Yeah. It's, oh, it's, it's great. growing in popularity. And, and it's interesting that there was a, there was a private invite-only conference for entrepreneurs and founders and, yeah. and investors to talk about Bitcoin. Uh, which was Bitcoin London. Um, and I thought it was interesting that people like Renegade Economist weren't invited to it. And, you know, as much as I go on about it, I, I'm used to the fact that, oh, you're not in London, you don't get invited to anything, you're not relevant. And, uh, you know, did I get invited? No. Uh, so I was, I was curious to see who was being invited along and, and you know, to know what their positions on the Bitcoin were before the meeting and after the meeting. It's interesting. I'm just looking at this. I mean, the, the only in Kent, the only one I can see is down in Folkestone. It's a lot wind software. There must be more. Surely there'd be more. Well, there's, a, there's, a, um, there's only a few in London. Two in London. There's a restaurant, La Creperie, in New Street, Newbridge Street. Where's that? Truro. Truro, right. Because <laughs> it'd be Truro, of course. Just, you know. <laughs> yeah, it would be, yeah. I don't know what that means at all, but here we are. Now, let's uh, close that off. I, I like the idea yeah. that it's beginning to become a social object. Yeah. And more people are aware of it. Um, and we're seeing um, the impact of this as governments are beginning to have the occasional conversation that goes, it's the same conversation they began to have when they were like, well, how do we deal with our music industry being destroyed by the internet? Yeah. Uh, governments would be, well, how do we deal with the fact that our finance industry will be destroyed by Bitcoin? And it's like, well, we won't really. I asked, um, asked Anne Pettifor who's a noted economist and pundit on this. Yeah. Um, she correctly predicted the crash a few years before it happened. What, the Bitcoin crash? the main the, crash. You know, the, yeah. the financial crash in the markets, the, the bubble that we then bounced through and burst over. Mm. Uh, and when she wrote about it, people just said, no, you're, you know, it's talking rubbish, it's not going to happen. It happened. Um, she views that Bitcoin is essentially just another currency mechanism, so it'll be held by the same constraints of conventional economics... Um, and I sort of challenged on that one. I said, well, no, because the only constraint that Bitcoin fails to have is a centralised government. You know, it's, it's not constra- It's not a top-down... All currencies are top-down. Yeah. And all economies are built out of currencies that are top-down. Um, this is actually a bit like talking about IPv4 versus IPv6. All of our internet at the moment is an IPv4 environment and we're used to building things top down here's a group of servers that then hand out to a group of clients yeah yeah IPv6 Bitcoin is a bottom up technology it's 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 mesh based technology it's distributed you don't have to have a central thing to run it you can distribute everything in IPv6 there's enough space to do this and the the reason you can do that is purely because we've got so many more IP addresses is that the only reason yes because the technology is essentially the same it's just that we've got we've got like a a thousand, a million magnitudes more ad- well, as addresses. I, as, as I mentioned before, you know, it's not just that there's more addresses, it's yeah. that you could have 
every application and every mobile device could have its own network address yes. inside its own. So it could be part of its own subnet on its own. So every application can be part of its own network on the internet. It changes the entire architecture. A VPN of applications inside a VPN of mobile devices, inside a VPN of operators, inside a VPN of, um, you know, mobile. Uh, and you could have all of that still within the internet because that would be... You know, everything Just out of interest, as a side, a little grey box on the side, Nick, in our yep. show. A little grey yep. box. Yep. Little... Have you had any of your clients come to you saying, Nick, I'm interested in IPv6? Yes, and we've implemented IPv6 on a number of websites so really? far. Yeah, there's a product called Cloudflare, which I make strong use of, yeah. uh, which provides a content delivery network in front of a lot of client-site delivery. Yeah. Um, and they enable an IPv6 gateway for you, so they give you an IPv6 address for your website. Right. Uh, and so if you then create the IPv6 entries in the DNS, which Cloudflare can do, yeah. uh, I mean, most people don't realise, excuse me, <coughs> in China, IPv6 implementation is at 26% at the moment. Really? 26% of China uses IPv6 and yeah. gateways to IPv4. Yeah. Okay? So you do a lot of IP lookups in China, it comes back with an IPv6 address. Yeah. Or an IPv4 gateway. Yeah. The point is, is that if you're in China and you're doing a DNS lookup for a website... If that website doesn't have an IPv6 address mm. and their DNS propagation doesn't incorporate the IPv4 addresses, they can't find the addresses. You can't find the website because it's, right. it's, it's a different platform. Right. So, yeah, I'm finding IPv6 is now becoming more and more a part of my daily conversation of planning mm. for delivery on address spaces. And right. at the moment, everybody's still stuck in IPv4 mentality. And I'm having to say to them, let's think about making parts of the website... Mm. Have their own IPv6 address. Right. And we could actually make parts of that. We could make applications mm. have their own IPv6 subnet within the website. Right. And that just blows a few people away because they don't want to think about it. And a lot of developers aren't used to thinking like system admins. They're not used to thinking like system administrators with IPv subnets as part of. So their does this? Sorry, there. we didn't mean to talk about this We're in the show. Are, thing, let's yeah. let's say that for a technical discussion because after the show because it's we want to talk but about let's the uh, talk about the, the Winklevoss twins. Yeah, who are these dudes? Remember the Winklevoss twins? They these were the guys who were quite convinced that they had helped invent Facebook and wanted a slice of it. Okay. And so they'd spent time um, suing uh, to basically own shares in Facebook at the time. Yeah. But that's a side story. This, is, this gets a little bit more interesting. As Tyler and Cameron Winklevoss, because of their fame for their dispute with Facebook's Mark Zuckerberg, have unveiled plans to float a Bitcoin trust. They will initially sell $13 million worth of shares to investors. Okay. Nobody owns Bitcoin. Right. Uh, I really get the feeling that this is like selling the London Bridge. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's like, well, you, you're gonna, you, you've got a Bitcoin... It, it, what? <laughs> They're going to create a market around Nick is Bitcoin. Nicky's highly amused. And I, I look at this and I think, if ever, if ever there was a hide-the-queen card shuffle of an investment opportunity, this has the feeling of it. It really does. Um, I want to understand it. I really want to get to grips with it. But the more I read it, I think, what... Um, yeah, the, the intention is investors will be able to sell shares in the trust and fund shorts, in effect, allowing them to speculate that the value of Bitcoins will fall. Um, okay. So, there are days when you look at the stock market and investment and realise that this is nothing, nothing more than extremely complex betting arrangement. 
that gamblers do with bigger stakes and, frankly, with less cards. Well, perhaps this is something you can do with something you don't own. Isn't it like, well, if it's betting, you're betting on an event happening? Are yeah, they betting on the value They're of... betting on something falling and growing. But you right, think, okay. yes, but how's that money being used to invest? Just mind blown. Because it's, it's like, you start with a pot in the... Um, some days you just... It's just why I have you know, to speak to Anne Petty for. It's like, explain this to me like I'm a five-year-old. Yeah. Okay? Because why? <laughs> and how? And the money has to... The money has to... Money that makes money on its own is an interesting prospect because if money's making money through money but there isn't actually any trade in goods or services or product oh, you're, 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 you're a man after my own heart because I have this phrase see the thing is listeners I know bugger all about finance and the market so you probably know a lot more than I, me I confirm Nick. this to be very yeah. true about yeah. <laughs> I know nothing how it works but I have this phrase that I slam around all the time and it's, it's along the lines no? No, it's, it's along the lines of is this the exit? It, no. it, it's along the lines of I have a very dark opinion of systems or people that make money by dicking about with money. Is yes. that kind of what you're saying? Yes. Here. Yeah. Yes. So we're all on the same wavelength. We're on the same wavelength. That but you just, probably just know why, I was, and I'm I was wondering being a why. bit more cogent in my in my yeah. derivation of the explanation. Yeah. <laughs> so these guys might just be dicking about with money. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. The public dickery. Yeah. Hey, speaking of public dickery, we uh, are still out of sponsors. Yeah, we are. Because, well, you know, I, have, I've, I confess I haven't been really active in chasing down new sponsors and all well, sponsors. Well, neither have I. I confess so as well. We uh, both confess. Um, and obviously, these shows pay for themselves by way of us paying for them. Parking. And sponsors in parking. Parking, coffees, coffees cakes. Look, I mean, you oh, know, this is, hard think of it like a Kickstarter for your ears. And the perk that you get is an extra download every every couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's pretty much all we got. Hey, maybe we should kickstart the podcast. Hey, shall we? Should we try? Just, just <laughs> give us money. Why? We're asking. Just ask for a really what? low amount, just what? for a laugh. What are you like wanting to do quid. with it? Buy coffee. What are the perks that we get? We tell you we drank coffee. <laughs> no, we, we, I, I legitimately went to We are event. informing people in an entertaining way, Nick. Oh, I hope so. Because yeah, yeah. you know, <laughs> we had we had you know you know at least one of our listeners say we were missed. I know, it's, it's, and thank you very much, Tim. It's very much appreciated. <laughs> so there's at least one person out there listening to us. But I I'm, I'm left with this sort of. Um, we help the economy because we promote coffee shops. Promote coffee shops, promote local and independence. Because independence are important. Mm. Nobody actually understands why independence are important, but I do like that fact that on the Facebook group there's a regular. We have to support independence. And then when you say to them, great, go and buy something, they go, oh, it's a bit expensive in there, oh, I don't like it over there. Actually, I'd rather get out to Tesco's. And you're like, well, I'm not sure you understand. I mean, look, you really want to support independence? You want to make it easy for places like this to set up, to exist without the impinging of adding parking fees to the extent that coming into town is something that you wouldn't want to do on a regular basis. Is this a really long, elaborate segue into our last story? Yeah, it is. It's, I can tell when I you're segue. You have this certain way you sit. It's your segue sitting, sitting position. Yeah. Let me tell you a story, my friend. <laughs> One arm up on the side of the chair, leaning let back. Let me tell you. Let me paint you the picture <laughs> of the problem of public spaces and how we fail to utilise them in a financially. It's like a town crier. All he needs is a bell and a three-point hat. Hey, I think you're getting a town crier for Horsham. I was actually thinking about joining. You'd be a great town. Yeah, everybody the, says that. Name like that, man. You'd be the town crier. 
There was a um, we were at the Makers Fair. See how I'm going to segue this oh, now. Yeah, we're at the Makers Fair this weekend. Segue. And uh, it was it was lovely because you get to sort of see all these different ways of building and creating. And yes, everybody's got a 3D printer. I mean, if there's a Makers no, Fair, they haven't. I haven't got one. If there's a Makers Fair which doesn't feature several rooms filled with 3D printers, <clears throat> I I will just be stunned. Because, you know, it's not a maker's fair unless there's two rooms dedicated to 3D printers churning out yet more teeny tiny irritations of little busts that people go, Star Wars. oh, so you've, you've printed w- out something that I can almost put on my shelf to gather dust. Thank you for that. Just give me the plastic <laughs> rope and I'll leave it on the corner anyway. Yeah, <laughs> These maker's fairs. Um, and one of the maker's fairs things was, a, was Scream Grab and it was a photo booth Thing that would take your picture only by you shouting. Right? How does it work? And so you have to what? basically go scream. So when it. you shout, you, it takes the picture. Ah! And it takes your picture as you're screaming. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And it's an iPhone app that triggers a camera and so forth. So that's what okay. it's doing. Yeah. Now, the guy had his back to me and said, when you're ready, and of course I went, ah! I went my best sort of drill sergeant shouting across the parade ground voice, bah! Yeah. Guy was four feet away and he was fully aware that I was about to scream, but he still jumped out of his skin. <laughs> <laughs> so no, there, that, that picture is online um, I was quite impressed with that and Alyssa took Alyssa with me and we had a great time looking she was she was enamoured with 3D printing she was even enamoured by Printcraft yeah. which is a Minecraft server connected to a 3D printer yeah. which and it's actually online so you can go and print you can build something in Minecraft and build it and, and go it. over to the signpost type in your email address oh, hit print yeah. they will print it and send it to you Excellent. It's just amazing. <laughs> Actually, they all they all send you the file that you can print on your three D printer. There is another mechanism which can send it, but it just what? Okay, so away. But the, the this point leads here. quite well to to this article on Gigarome, which points to Chicago's idea of putting makers' labs, sort of maker mm. environments, yeah. into public libraries. Okay, and making pu- making public libraries maker lab environments, and I've sort of. You know, we've we talked about co-working in Horsham. We've talked about co-working spaces. The co-working spaces is quite a, a sort of hipster thing to have up in London and down in Brighton and so forth. Well, the game point price is certain that lasts about three years ago. They really gained popularity. Are they still popular today? It's it's still a big thing because freelancing requires a space to sit and work for a while. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, without that space, without that space available to you, you can sort of David. Um, somebody waving to me from outside the ah. window there, and I was nodding. Very small town Horsham thing going on there. So yeah. So yeah, there's a there is a desire for freelancers to have a space where they can go and work, but also not feel like they're working on their own all the time. And collaboration, you know that that co-location. Yeah, the, the nice thing about say Horsham co-working space and the other co-working spaces I've been in has been that collaboration, sort of co-location that, that we all stop for lunch at a certain time and go yeah. and have lunch together, and, yeah. and then you know as we're working through it, so you. You're not getting free support. Because that's what's missing. Because I can see it from both sides now. Because I know I have a job four days a week, but I'm also doing the freelancing. That is the big difference I'm noticing. It's you You really feel like you're part of a team when you work for someone. You, yep. That's your own little team. It's almost like a family. Unless you can put you together that in the... the right types of clients where you can get that feeling of working in a team yeah. but also being the freelancer. Yeah, yeah. Then it is missing. And it's yeah. a hard part of it. And, you know, I... I like having... I mean, I'm most effective at doing a lot of work in the morning and a lot of work in the evening, but by the time it gets to lunchtime, what I love most of all getting to lunchtime, stopping for lunch and then using the afternoon as a learning time. 
Yeah. As a resource. Or, or having time. a nap. I have a nap in the episodes. <laughs> I used to. As it's like, as I, I guess lunchtime, and I'll sit there and I go, right, I've got to learn this thing, or I've got to yeah. learn this, or I've got yeah. to read these documents. Absorbing time. Um, and it's the most efficient time for me to do that. Um, and so everybody has a different working sort of rhythm, circadian rhythm of, oh, absolutely. of commerce. Yeah. Um, and it, it grows out of that. So, yeah, this. This article in Gigaro's Why Public Libraries Should Be Considered. I mean, Chicago Library will make the equipment available under the guidance of staff members and computers get viruses from reckless use, etc. Fabrication equipment can outright break from inexperienced tinkering and so forth. I mean, it's, there's lots of risks. But that's not to say we really shouldn't give it a try mm. and, and see what we do. And, and I, I look at what we take from the Maker's Fair and I think about things like youth services in the West Sussex District and think, why are we not making more Maker's Labs available? You know, why, is, why are we not making their sort of fab plant environment where you have a co-located sort of warehouse of factory environment where you've got printers, but you've also got... Wouldn't it be a bit disruptive in a library, though? Because you know, I think of librarians going, shh, you know, print, 3D printing printers. Well, they've now got Wi-Fi available in the libraries, and there's a lot of like, oh, that's, you know, that's yeah. But surely, in a, in a maker, sort of a making environment, there's a lot of noise and there is. Moving around and I, I think it's okay. I think it's okay to have noise. I think it's okay to have quiet spaces. I think yeah. they're both valid. Mm. You know, and I think sometimes it's absolutely valid to call somebody an idiot, even when they are. Friendly. You know, it's interesting. You mentioned this because my wife does a thing called Space Place, which is a kind of like that. Yeah. Where people come together, they have like a repairer's day and an ideas day and all sorts of bits and pieces going on, they, people arrange stuff. So it's more than just social, it's, it's social with stuff getting done. Yeah. And the benefits to the, to the local community must be... It's one of those things that you can't really measure the benefits, but I'm sure they're, they're really there. <coughs> or maybe you can, I don't know. I think you sometimes have to switch the question from a return on investment to a return, return on, on the lifestyle? community. Community? You know, a, return, a return on society. It's a return that's on a different level. You can't measure it by uh, you know, profits. Quality of life. Quality of life. It's quality of life. It's communal quality of life. Yeah. When we talk about independence... There should be a measure of that. How can you measure that? There should be, uh, there should be some standard measure the, of that. Uh, there's the um, hierarchy of needs. Maslow's hierarchy yeah. of needs. You can have a happiness index. Yeah, that's that's already a measurement to a certain extent. As long as you've got this done, as long as you've got this done, as long as you've got these needs being met, then these things are available yeah, to you. Yeah. Okay. So well, better wrap it because I think we're about thirty minutes. Where yeah. are we? At? We're at uh, twenty-nine minutes and forty, whatever. So, um, where have we forgotten the name of this coffee shop? Pardon? I've forgotten the name of this coffee shop. This coffee shop it's is called right in front of me. It's right in front of you. Pretty things. Pretty things. And, and it is full of pretty things. And, and it is genuinely full of pretty things. And um, yes. Patricia Tolman, I should say, you should come and have a tea here. I feel you'd thoroughly enjoy it. So thank you to Pretty Things. Thank you to Nick Butler. I, I've been Andy White, otherwise known as Dr. Pod, spelled out D-O-Z-T-O-R-P-O-D. And I have been... spelled out for you. Yeah. I stand being Nick Butler, a.k.a. Loudmouthman at loudmouthman.com. Please don't forget to visit social media, whitenoise.com. Click on that donation button. Drop us some pennies, some pounds, some coins and so forth so that we might take some time to drink some coffee and put some podcasts in your ears. Maybe we should put a Bitcoin on that map, a Bitcoin flag for every coffee shop we've been to. <laughs> That'll be confusing because they would think the coffee confusing. shop. Yes, well, yes. Yes. Okay, goodbye everyone. See you next goodbye. time. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Social Media White Noise, brought to you by Andy White, Acker Dr. Pod, and Nick Butler, Acker Loudmouth Man. Please visit www.socialmediawhitenoise.com, 
where you can leave comments, listen to the show straight from the webpage, and subscribe for free. Email us at ulot at socialmediawhitenoise.com. Follow us on Twitter, Dr. Pod and Loudmouthman. We'd like to thank the coffee shops of Sussex, social media and technology, without whom this show would not be possible. See you soon. Peace.